Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. God's purpose for the Stones of Remembrance was for Israel to have a visual reminder of His greatness and faithfulness. God knew they needed faith to enter the promised land, and in remembering and retelling their story, their faith would be strengthened. Part three of Cheryl's message titled Stones of Remembrance. They were to answer the questions of the children and tell the story again and again of the crossing of the Jordan. In verses 21 through 24 of chapter 4, Joshua said, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. As the Lord your God did it to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. In order to remember the greatness and the might of God, they were to have this visual reminder. They were to tell the story again and again and discuss the story. You see, it's not enough to simply have a visual reminder. I mean, sometimes we forget what that visual reminder is to remind us of. That's where we're at. I know that meant something at some point in my life. You know, have you ever had something that you kept and you're like, why did I keep this? You know, does it belong to a bottle? Why did I keep this? What was I thinking when I kept this? I don't know if you do that. I do that. The only way to remember is to continue to tell the story. And the more we tell the story, the more we remember the story. But when we stop telling the story, we forget the deeds and we forget what the story meant to us. One of the saddest losses for me was after my dad's stroke, when he couldn't remember certain stories he had told me. And I remember sitting at the table eating dinner with him. We used to have dinner with him every single Friday night. And I said, Dad, remember when your father had had his nervous breakdown and how he'd gone into that catatonic state when my dad was 15? It was a story my dad had told me over and over again. And my dad looked at me and he said, no, no. And I said, you don't remember? Prince Thunden, you don't remember that he drove a white Cadillac? You don't remember that he came to your house in Santa Ana and that he found you and searched you out? My dad said, no. I said, then I'll tell you the story. It's a good one. 
But there were so many things, you know, maybe you didn't catch on to it, but I did, that he couldn't, he could no longer do. Remember how he used to do that great thing with the probability? Now cover the state of Texas, two feet deep with, you know, silver dollars. Take a man, blindfold him, spin him around, fly him over the state of Texas, then push him out in a parachute. And the odds that he would find that one silver dollar marked is the odds that Jesus could complete eight prophecies and not be the son of God. Oh, well, let's do something bigger. You know, they say that an atom is the smallest component, but electrons are even more. And you could line up one trillion atoms in an inch. But let's spread all those electrons all the way to the sun. And he would go into this incredible statistics about the probability. And after his stroke, he would start to go there, but he couldn't remember He couldn't call those figures that he had known. He couldn't recite the cremation of Sam McGee anymore. And I realized, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. But I was so glad that he told me this story. I was so glad that my youngest son had memorized the cremation of Sam McGee so we can still hear it on dark, cold, windy nights with hot chocolate. We need to keep telling this story. You know, we think we'll always be able to hear this story, but we won't. We need to keep telling this story, discuss the story, because discussing the story brings out the details. Have the children ask questions, and then you get names and you get details. And isn't it amazing the details the children remember? You left out. You know, my my grandson Judah will say, Grandma, tell me this story about when my dad was a little boy and he broke the window. And it's all, which window, honey? There were five. Which one? And if I forget a detail, Judah's like, Grandma, Grandma, you forgot the part where, you know, and I'm like, you're right. And they'll want to know what what face did he make? What was he wearing? (laughs) Like, oh, good question. But they ask these questions that make you have to remember, make you have to think, make you have to relive it and play it again in your mind and see it. And you know, these stories have become my grandchildren's heritage and their identity. They, they love it. Also gives them a lot of grace. Like, oh, my dad was so bad. Yes. And you're so good. You're perfect. He wasn't, but you are. But as you explore what this story means, you see God's power over nature, God's involvement in our lives, God's desire to bring us into the promises. And these reminders would give the children a sense of identity. They could point to the stone and say, that's our stone. I think about this day and age when, you know, kids, children, you know what they're looking for? a sense of identity of who they are. That's why ancestry, DNA, is is so popular. All these things, they're swabbing themselves and they're sending in the cotton swabs. Tell me who I am. Because scientists or the media is telling them, you can't trust your DNA or your cell. You're not really a girl or a boy just because of your X or Y chromosome, no. No. You can't know who you are. 
You have no identity. They're telling them they weren't created. They're not special. We have a greater identity theft than our credit cards being taken from us. Our children's very identity, we're not teaching them to accept who they are and know who they are by nature to explore their their personalities and to know you were created and you are so special and you are so unique and there is no one like you. Your fingerprints are even special. That's who you are. You are God's child. You are God's creation. You are loved so much that God sent his son to die for you. No. What is the media telling our children? You are a piece of ooze. And it's not important where you came from. It's only important how you feel about where you came from. You can't be sure about anything in your environment. That's identity theft. That's identity theft. And so our children are seeking to find it in their sexuality, in their sexual desires. They're trying to find it in their peers. Who am I? Tell me who I am. They're trying to find it in personality quizzes. They're trying to find it on television. Well, I'm really like this star. I'm like this movie star. Or I'm like this character in this movie. Who, who, who is defining our children? How are they finding their identity? If we're not telling them this story... If we're not giving them visual reminders, who's going to tell them who they are? How are they going to find out who they are? That's why we need to point to the cross. Here's the visual reminder of who you are. You are the loved one by God. You are the created one that was lost at the fall that God loves so much that he sent his only begotten son to pay the penalty so that you could be everything God made you to be, so you could be restored, so you could find out. You know, Christianity is really a self-discovery. It's your true self that comes to life, the self that is uncorrupted by sin, and it moves you into all the promises It's identity. They could point to that stone and say, that's our tribe. That's the one that old Elias pulled out. And do you like the shape of it? You could point to that and say, that's your stone. When I was eight years old, we took a family vacation. Well, it was just my sister and I and my parents. We went up to Santa Barbara in a motorhome. And my dad took me to every place that he went to as a child. It was so fun. There was a restaurant that was on Milpas. And he took me there and he said, see this place? It had the best tamales when I was a kid. I would come over and he took me where his grandma lived, showed me his grandma's house, and then took me to the place that used to have the best tamales. It was now a Mediterranean place. And he said, well, the Mexican place got closed down when they found all the cat skins in the rubbish bins behind the place. He said, you know, that meat was so tender and so tasty though. (laughs) He took me to the Santa Barbara mission where an uncle twice removed that had been married to one of his cousins had a plaque there. And he told me the story of this man, um, which is written in the book, The Island of the Blue Dolphin. He took me to the graveyard right off of Camarillo, and he took me to my great-grandmother, Lois Daisy Kent's gravestone. That said, Jesus never fails. 
He took me all over Santa Barbara, met some of his cousins that I didn't know. We stopped at all these houses. And I got a sense of who I was. You know who I am? I'm Chuck Smith's daughter, and I'm so proud of it. I am so blessed, and I know who I am. And he told me this story of how his mom got saved and how his grandma got saved and how his dad got saved. It was such an amazing journey, and I still remember it to this day. Santa Barbara is one of my favorite places to go. I went my first year of college there. And I just go there, and I feel like I belong there. There's just something so special. I know who I am. And I grew up knowing who I am. I am not a partier. I am not a drug guy. I am not a drinker. This is who I am. I'm of the heritage of Jesus Christ. I come from that crazy man that got saved and followed my grandma in the Santa Barbara parade yelling, don't you dare look at her. Don't you look at her. And that was my grandma Maude that was on one of those floats. And my grandpa was honking his horn and yelling at people not to look at her because she was taken. That's who I am. We need to tell our children who they are, to point to these stones of remembrance and say, this is who you are, and this is the heritage of faith. This is how I found Jesus. I was just sitting with my son, Brayden, and I was kind of telling him my personal testimony. We're eating hamburgers because that's what we do together. That's our bonding. Brayden and he do coffee. He and I do hamburgers. And he set his hamburger down, and he said, Mom, you never told me this. Like, are you kidding? I never told you that. It's because you're the last child. I told the other three. I said, no, I never knew. And he said, no, I understand my struggles. Mom, you and I, we have the same struggles. And I said, yes, but you came through it just like God brought me through it. So Jesus came to you, Brayden, and he brought you through it. There would be purpose. There was purpose as, as they looked at those stones They would know this is the call on my life. Even as my relatives, they came out of of the wilderness to come into all the promises of God. So my purpose is to walk in all the promises of God, to inherit and walk in those promises. They would be strengthened in faith because they would know God is with us. God parted the mighty rivers to bring us into his promises. He wouldn't let anything keep my family, knowing I would come from the promises of God. And they would know that what God promises he does, his word is reliable and absolute. It would be a guarantee and an assurance of the rest of the promises. Because crossing the Jordan was not the promise. It was just the initiation into the promises. It was what had been blocking the promises. But God dealt with the Jordan that Israel might step into all the promises. And it was an assurance that God would bring them into everything. He who began a good work in you will complete it. Assurance that God wanted them to have the promises. And an assurance that their enemies would be defeated and they would indeed inherit every promise of God. Now, you might not be on a continual camping trip, okay? And you not, might not be distracted by packing and unpacking or new territory or little children or crowds or enemies or fortresses. 
or food collection and preparation. Perhaps you're a microwaver. But you've got other distractions that jeopardize your blessings, your faith, your spiritual progress in God's promises. And you also need safeguards to keep you from forgetting who God is and what he has already done for you and how he is for you. He is for you. God gives us visual reminders. Sometimes they're in the form of people. I know I can look at my daughters and think about how God brought those two prodigals back to Jesus. My daughters are living testimonies to me. They are visuals. And there's never time that I'm with those two girls that I don't marvel at how great my God is. I love those girls so much. And they just tell me about God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Maybe it's scripture mugs. I have so many scripture mugs. I love mugs that have a scripture. And you know, there are times that I need be still and know that I am God mug. So I have three with just that scripture. And then there are the times that I need the joy of the Lord is my strength. I need that one. And and there are other times that I I need love one another for love is of God. And, And I have my scripture mugs and each of my scripture mugs I grabbed on purpose at a certain time in my life. And they remind me, I need pictures. I have pictures in my house and I can remember the date and the place and what was going on. And so I put those those pictures up so I can remember. I have notations in my Bible. I have dates and secret codes that I forgot what they mean. But they're in there. And I know that God worked. I just... Don't remember who they were and what I needed at the time, but I know God worked. But I have that in my Bible, these dates. And sometimes I actually have real names. There are verbal reminders that God gives us. So there's visuals, but there's verbals. And the verbal reminder is that we need to hear the story again and again. That's why we do church. That's why we're here today, because we need to hear the story again and again. That's why we have K-Wave, because we need to hear these stories again and again. But we also need to tell the story. We need to tell the story of Jesus to the children and the children's children and to our friends and to other people. We need to keep telling the story our testimony, how we got saved, what God has done. We need to tell grandchildren and neighbors and friends and acquaintances. We need to tell the story to acquaintances, those who come to our door. We need vocal reminders, not just verbal, but vocal. We need to sing the story. When the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, we're told that Moses began to sing a song that the people of Israel began to sing. And Miriam picked up a tambourine and she even put a dance to it. You know, the Lord be glorified for the horse and rider have fallen into the sea. And it was a song that Israel continued to sing during their wilderness, that they would remember the Red Sea and never forget. There was another song that when they would camp and they would remember the rock, they would say, spring up, O well. And we sing, spring up, oh well, within my soul. And they would sing that song, spring up, oh well, remembering how God would provide the water 
Years ago, my oldest son, Char, when he was five, there was a woman and she had this ministry where she would write scripture songs and she would teach them to the children. So Char, being five and just learning to read, he had seen a plaque that said, go to the ant thou sluggard, consider his ways and be wise. And he wrote his first song. Go to the ant thou sluggard, remembereth way the me wise. Have he no God, oh, 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 ruler. You know, and it had a more song, so I was like, we would tell him, Char, sing your song, sing your song. You know, sing it for grandma and grandpa, sing it for the other grandma and grandpa. You know, sing it for the neighbors, sing it for our friends. And I remember on one of those occasions, he goes, do you want the dance too? <laughs> wow, we didn't realize there was a dance with it. Yes, bring on the dance. And you know, he would do it over and over again. And it was the cutest thing. And I'll tell you, that is my most energetic, dutiful kid. And I think that go to the anthel fluggard continues to stay with him even to this day. So we can commemorate the time with song. When we were in Cyprus, I was sitting with all these missionaries and their life is hard. And one of the women I sat with, she had lost her husband a few years ago and he had just been a hero on the mission field. And if you were married to him, you had no fear because he would just take care of everything. And there was a girl who had lost her father and there were people who were working in Muslim countries. There were people that I was speaking with who had had their lives threatened and and had some really big threats that they were returning to. And I'm sitting with this group of, of women and we're talking about building the house of God and we're having kind of this discussion. And we started just talking about how much the Lord loves us and how much, how it's often in the dead of night that he reminds us that he's pleased with us and that we're never alone. And I'm like, that sounds like a song. And this girl said, can we just sing it? And I looked at her and I remembered that her father just died a few years ago. And she starts it, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And he just, when we were singing it this morning, it became a reminder of sitting at that table with those precious missionaries Those people who have given up safety, have given up security, bank accounts, houses to go and reach the unreachable with the story, with the story. And as we were singing, I began to pray for them. And that became a vocal reminder of that time that we sat at that table and we sang. Isn't it crazy? The memories a song will evoke. We need to rejoice in the story. Perhaps for you personally, you need to go back to Gilgal and find that memorial, to look at that memorial and just simply remember and ponder what God has done for you. And maybe tell yourself this story. Tell yourself your story. David is saying, oh, my soul, you know, forget not my soul. All his benefits towards you. Why are you cast down on my soul? Consider God. We have to preach to ourselves sometimes, don't we? We have to tell ourselves the story. 
We have to tell ourselves the story of our life and all that God has done. And then we need to tell others this story. And in so doing, we will regain the blessings. Those blessings maybe that we've lost or we're just, they're in our house, but we can't find them. We'll find them again. We'll strengthen our faith. We'll remember who our God is and all that he's done for us. And our faith will be strengthened. And we will assure our spiritual success and progress. We will then be able to go forward into all that God has for us. It's so important that we remember. Like the Israelites, God has given us reminders throughout our lives so that we can tell the story of what He has done. Our testimony is a powerful thing and needs to be remembered and shared. As we do this, our faith will be strengthened and will encourage and inspire others to go forward through the Jordan rivers of life, trusting God and relying on His faithfulness. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at the need for holy pauses in our lives as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.